Welcome to the audio podcast of The Father's House. We hope and pray you are both challenged and encouraged by this time in the Word. Come on, let's give it up for our youth and young adults. That's good. Pastor James and Alana doing such an awesome job leading the charge there. We had uh, Leroy, one of our youth, go public with his faith this morning in the first service. Uh, so that's pretty awesome. Tommy, his youth group leader uh, for the group breakouts, baptized him along with his father. So it's just awesome to see that next generation. And I believe that we are in good hands in the next generation. There's a, I just believe there's like a heart of worship and truth. You know, this next generation is going to have in a world where there's so much misunderstanding and confusion that the word of God is truth. And we will equip and teach our children and that next generation to know the word of God. That's the truth that we found our lives on. And so, uh, so if you have youth, I encourage you to come check that out. It's an amazing time. And uh, we're, we're so glad you're here with us today. Uh, we've been in a series called After God's Heart. And if you're familiar with a guy named David, he's the same David that's involved in the story of David and Goliath. And we're picking up uh, in this series to learn about how David is a man after God's own heart heart. Last week, if you weren't here, I uh, encourage you to check out the message on our nice new website when you're browsing around there. Uh, It's tfhcalgary.church, or you can just Google it. Just Google it, and you'll find it, and uh, you'll see the message from Pastor Dave, and it was awesome. It was all about David going after the ark of God, the presence of God, that we need his presence in our church, that his presence goes before us. This isn't just a stank old building. It's not a religion that we worship God, that we offer sacrifices of praise to him. Does anyone agree with me? Is anyone up for that? Worshiping God, presence of God? I don't know. That sounds kind of cool. So um, so let's continue to do that. And, and Pastor Dave talked about making uh, sacred things common in our lives and how we cannot let that happen. Water baptisms are holy and sacred to the Lord. Our worship is holy and sacred to the Lord. Our giving is holy and sacred to the Lord. You being in the house of God today is holy and sacred to the Lord. So we're so glad you're here. And as we continue the story of David, we're going to be looking today at a particular promise that David made his friend Jonathan. Now, I know sometimes people, they hear the word promise and they get a little bit on edge because it comes with maybe some, some things. You know, you, maybe you've seen some things, man, when it comes to promises. Maybe you've, been, you've made some promises or promises have been made to you and there's a lot to unpack there. My kids are in the same boat. Often they'll ask me after a... Uh, a day in Saturday or something, they'll say, hey, dad, later, can we go for ice cream? And like any self-respecting, loving father, I answer them thoughtfully and considerably, and I tell them, maybe, (laughs) maybe, maybe we'll go for ice cream. And the day goes on, and you lose track of time, and You get to the end of the day and the children run up to me and say, Father, Papa, Papa, is it time for all the ice cream now? We've been waiting all day. And I'm like, oh, you know what, guys? I don't think we're going to do ice cream today. And the look's on their face. And they say, but Dad, you promised us. 
No, I did not. I said, maybe. That should get me off the hook. But they have this belief in their heart, this maybe this uncertain expectation or miscommunication that I promised them some ice cream. Now, they could probably twist my arm. We're going to go for ice cream. That's, that's probably the truth. But often there's these, these things in our lives that take place. Maybe promises have been broken in your life, or maybe you broke promises, or maybe there's something where you've been hanging on to a promise and it's been delayed and it hasn't come yet. Or maybe sometimes I loved this and I try not to do it anymore. But have you ever made a really good promise to yourself? Like that you're gonna do something by a certain date or um, like maybe you're gonna drive a certain car or you're gonna have a certain job or a certain position or career or kids, family, dog, no cats, maybe one cat, two cats. Dog and cats for all the cat lovers. We're gonna have a special prayer time for anyone with a cat today. We're gonna come to the front. We're gonna open up the altars. But then life happens and things go on and, and you don't see the fulfillment. You, you don't see this promise and we wonder, well, geez, was this a promise that I thought it was a promise God gave me? Was it something I promised myself? And sometimes we use our own uh, imagination to try and think of what our lives should be like based on the world based on what the world sees as success. And there's a void. There's an emptiness deep down in ourselves. If we were really honest, that there's something we're still waiting for. A promise to come is delayed. Well, today we're going to look at this promise. And years before King David became king, King Saul was on the throne. And Saul had a son named Jonathan. And Jonathan and David were good friends. They'd play Xbox together and Switch, and they'd get along real good. And one day, Jonathan made a, had David make a promise to him because Saul was after David. He was trying to kill David. Two times he threw a spear at him, and once at his own son, Jonathan, because he knew that he wanted to be king, that God had chosen him to be king. And so Jonathan saved David's life. And here's Jonathan saying to David, David, would you, regardless of what happens to me, even if I die, will you show God's kindness to me and my family? And David makes this covenant promise to Jonathan that he will show God's kindness to Jonathan and all his future descendants and generations. Now, years later, David becomes king. Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle against the Philistines. And now King David is on the throne and he remembers his promise to Jonathan. We're going to read through the scripture today. If you have your Bibles, you can go to 2 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to put it on the screen as well. There's something about having a physical Bible. If you start to nod off and get bored with what I'm talking about, then you can just keep reading the story in your Bible. Or beat me to the punchline and say it out loud. That's always fun too. So you can do that if you have a, a paper copy. But if not, we'll read together on the screen. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 9. It says, One day David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the man asked? Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. 
Zebra replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Zeba told him, at the home of Makar, son of Emil. So David sent for him and brought him from Makar's house. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, I'm just going to call him Meph for the rest of the story if that's okay, because that one can get a little bit tricky to say. I thought I'd been doing okay, but it's just going to be best if we just call him Meph. Are you guys okay with that? Okay, Meph had a young son named Micah. From then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Meph's servants. And Meph, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. Now, normally when a, a, a king would come into the throne, if he was to ask about any remaining family members from the previous generation or the previous kingship, it wasn't so that they could hang out and play Twister for a fun games night it was so that he could annihilate them in Twister on a fun games night. Just kidding. No, it was so that he could completely eliminate them, so that he could wipe them out because any potential threat to the new king would be destroyed. But here's David. He says he intends to show God's kindness. And it's mentioned three times in the scripture here. Now, this kindness is, it's hard for us to capture the, the uh, depth of it from the Hebrew translation to the English, but we'll try today. And there's a few different words that are used to describe this kind of kindness. It's not just, oh, that's, you're very kind, you're a nice person, but this is a, a deep covenant love. It goes above and beyond what's required or expected into this other level. It's like, I love you, not just because I love you, but because we've made an agreement. I made a promise to love you. It's this special kindness, this benevolence from God that is loyal and full of mercy and faithful love. This is ultimately God's kindness. This is God's special kindness that he shows to us, his creation, his people. And here David promises to show Mephibosheth, this same kindness because of the promise he makes to Jonathan. Now, it's interesting to note that uh, Meph, says in the scripture, was crippled. And uh, earlier in one of the um, uh, passages, it says how it happened that at age five, when um, Mephibosheth's family found out that Saul and Jonathan, his dad and granddad, were killed in battle by the hands of the Philistines, that the caretaker, the nurse who was in charge of Meph at five years old, 
started packing up and just bolting for the doors because she knew in that day and age that they would be eliminated. They'd be wiped out. So as she left, she dropped Mephibosheth on the ground. And from that day forth, he was crippled all the days of his life. Now, that would mean a harsh reality in that day and age that there is a severe inability to do things for yourself and even providing for your family, that there was a great weakness that he would carry. He couldn't protect himself or his family. And here he is, years later, still running, hiding in fear that he could be wiped out at any day. And then sure enough, David becomes king and he's like, oh man, this could be it. And then there's a knock at the door and all of a sudden it's the king's men and the king's like, hey, Mephibosheth, not going to be alive anymore anyways. Doesn't really matter if we get your name right. Because he's like, I'm dead. The king's summoning me. The king wants to see you. And he goes with the men and he stands in front of the king. And the scripture says that he lays prostrate before the king, that is to bow down with your face to the ground. And he says, I am your servant. Is a deep respect and reverence and awe to be before the king who has the power to like this, wipe you out and kill you. And his position is a low one, is to the ground saying, Whatever it is, I'm yours. I am your servant. And David's response to him, he says, don't be afraid. I intend to show you this special kindness, God's kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I'll give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather. Not only that, you're gonna eat here with me. We are gonna dine right it is going to be great here at the king's table. And Mephibosheth says, who am I? Who am I that you would show such kindness to me? I'm just a dead dog. Mephibosheth was fully aware of his weakness, fully aware that he could not do much on his own, that he was weak, and this isn't just kind of like a weakness that he went around with with life, thinking like, you know, like Eeyore uh, is his spirit animal. Does anyone remember Eeyore? I'm just a dead dog. Nobody likes me. Ho-hum. No, no, no. He, he, he saw himself as a dead dog compared to the undeserved favor and the grace that the king was showing him in this moment. He says, compared to what I deserve, you're giving me this and everything else that is more than I could possibly imagine. It's an incredible gift of grace and mercy that is given to Mephibosheth. Now, I know what you're maybe thinking. Um, I got up early and got dressed and looked nice, come to church for the pastor to say that I need to be like a dead dog in order to know God? Well, the answer is yes. They didn't throw anything. Thank you, Lord. Now, hear my heart. This, this, is, this is the reality of how we encounter the 
presence of God. How we come before a living and loving God with deep reverence and respect to, to, to lay prostrate before him, to lay down and say, God, I am your servant. This is a picture of what it means to serve and follow God. So here's the key. Here's the key to knowing God, to being in the presence of God and how we respond to him. Are you ready? It's humility. Yeah, humility. God wants your heart through your humility. The Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace to the humble. Pride, it will be a deterrent to the supernatural breakthrough that God wants to do in your life. Because the reality is, as long as we have things together, okay, my job's going pretty well, my family's pretty good, and yeah, you know, like, I like to check in at church once in a while, and, you know, I'll uh, read along with the scriptures, and, you know, I think it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good to have that, um, you know, uh, religion, you know, and, and faith, yeah, and God. But it always remains kind of at a distance, because you don't allow yourself to surrender your life to God. You just say, well, Lord, if you could kind of help me out here on this one, I could use a little bit of a boost, a little bit of energy on Monday mornings. And I don't know, sure, if you maybe want to top up my RRSPs and RESPs this year. Like, that'd be great. I appreciate that. You don't have to. Like, I'll be okay anyways. I got a bonus coming. <laughs> no big deal. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think, uh, I think I should be good. So thanks, God. Love you. See you later next week. As long as we do that, we keep God at a distance because we don't need God. We have things figured out just fine for ourselves. And we're trying to fit God into this little compartment. Like we have our relationships, we have our career, we have our friendships, we have our marriage, and then we have our God. And he will not work like that. It doesn't work like that. He says, no, 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 I want all of it. I want everything because I love you so much. I want you to experience my best for your life. I won't be fit into a compartment. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Meth's life is not only spared, but he is immensely blessed. He gets an invitation to sit at the king's table. Now, the king's table, let me tell you, it's happening. You've got like the good wine, like not like the boxed stuff, but like the bottled stuff. You've got all the prime rib and lobster tails. Like, it's a good meal. Cherry cheesecake. Are you kidding me? Not only does he get all this land and crops for his family, but he gets to sit with the king and have the ear of the king in relationship, dining together day after day after day where there is no lack and there is no need. David was a man after God's own heart because he made good on his promise to show God's kindness to Jonathan and his family. Just as God wants to show his special kindness and love to you.
if you will receive it. He doesn't just do it to the people who think they deserve it or have a great church attendance or don't swear. He does it for the weak, for the lame, for the crippled, the broken spiritually, the people that recognize their weakness and know that strength can only be found in Jesus Christ. It's often at our lowest where we can recognize there's nowhere else to go. I need God. And God is so faithful and loving to show us his kindness in those moments in our lives if we will simply accept the invitation from Jesus. And if we will surrender our lives to him in humility. God's promises for our lives are above and beyond any other promise we can receive. God's promise to you is that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that you have a hope and a future, that in this world, yes, you will have trouble, but don't be afraid, fear not, I have overcome the world. He he said that he would send you the helper, the Holy Spirit to guide you and walk with you each and every step of your life. That it isn't just about making it to heaven. And yes, you're saved. You to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you're saved. But God wants you to live a life of abundance, of spiritual blessing and abundance in this life too. That's peace-filled, joy-filled. Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 22. It says that Jesus would often tell parables and these stories to help understand, help people understand what the the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of God. And in the scripture, Jesus tells a story. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king whose son was going to get married and the king sent out invitations for this great big wedding banquet that they were gonna have. And all the invitations went out. They had Justin Bieber booked to do a couple of songs and a celebrity pastor to marry them. Like all the great food was gonna be there. This is gonna be an awesome wedding. Like this is one, there's some weddings you're like, oh wait, let's plan a trip that day. Let's not be in town. Has anyone ever done that? No, you haven't. You guys are all, you're all so good. You're not listening to the message, are you? (laughs) Just kidding. I love you. Don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. Sit back down. No, no, no. He said, he, he said, go tell them it's going to be a great day. Invite them into the house. And the servants go out. The king's servants go out. And they grab all the, all the cool people, all the A-listers, all their networking friends, all the people they've been kind of building up some social rapport with. And they all say, oh, you know, that date, actually, I can't make it. What date is it again? I haven't told you the date. No, I can't make it. I'm sorry. I'm busy. I just bought a business. And uh, I got a great deal on this farm over here. And... You know, it takes a lot of work, so ah, I can't, no. And then the servants go back to the king and report it to him. And he says, okay, let's tell them again once the feast is ready. And now the feast is ready. And they go out again to all these people and say, okay, the food's ready. The wine's poured. Let's go. Come on in. And they say, I can't. The answer is no. I still can't make it. I got things going on. And the word says, 
that they went back to the king and the king said to them, okay, now I want you to go out and invite everyone you see. Not just the cool folks, but everyone. The word says to compel them to come in so that my house may be full. Go out to the highways and the hedges. Go out as far as you can and extend the invitation to even the D-listers, even the people who don't even know who Justin Bieber is. Invite them to this wedding. Invite them to the banquet to enjoy the wine and the food. The people that you wouldn't want, even at your own wedding. They embarrass you. They don't dress up good. They don't get the memo about what you should wear to a wedding and they eat all your shrimp and cocktail sauce. (laughs) They don't know that the caviar is a garnish not to be scooped onto your plate like that. And then they leave early and they don't even give you a gift. That's who God is inviting to come into the banquet. It's a picture of the kingdom of heaven. That God is saying to everyone that the invitation is open. But too many of us say, I can't. I'm busy. I've got this thing going on or another. See, God calls those who are unworthy, that that is the point, that we don't deserve it. You can't be good enough to get into the kingdom of heaven. In our brokenness and in our weakness, we come to Jesus, and that is who Jesus came for. Jesus said, healthy people don't need a doctor, duh. Sick people do. That's why Jesus came for sick people, so that his house would be full. And inside his house, the word says, are many rooms. And that he has an invitation to you to sit at the banquet table and feast with the great King Jesus. That's God's promise to you. And he is faithful if you will accept his invitation. God doesn't force, he doesn't force you to come into the house. But he he implores, he encourages, he so desires you to experience the fullness of his relationship, the joy and peace that comes with sitting at the king's table. The same way that David made that covenant promise, God makes that promise promise to you that you can have life and life abundantly if you simply surrender your life in your weakness, recognize your need for God and say, Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I'm in. Today, Tiffany went public with her faith. It's a symbol. There's nothing special about the water. It's a symbol that she is dead to sin and she is a new person in Jesus Christ. This ring right here, my wedding ring, is a symbol of my marriage, my commitment to my wife. This wedding ring, wearing this, doesn't make me married. It shows that I am. In the same way that water baptism doesn't get you saved, but it shows that you are saved. 12 years ago, 
Brittany so delicately put this ring on my slender finger. We didn't know what it meant. We didn't know the challenges and, the, and, the, and the, the waves that would come in our marriage, but all we knew is we loved each other. And I just said yes to her. In the same way, when you go public with your faith, you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you're just saying, God, I don't know what it all means. I, I don't know if I've ever even read some of the stuff in the Old Testament. Like, I, I don't get it all, but I just, I, I sense that you're real. and I know that you're real and I believe in my heart. And I'm just saying yes to you, Jesus, without knowing what's gonna happen the rest of my life. That invitation is sent out to all of us today. And I can only imagine what it'll be like to sit at the table with Jesus, to recline with our heavenly Father. There's no more tears, there's no fear, there's no worry, there's no anxiety tomorrow. Just peace with God, communion with God. God gives us a, just a down payment, a deposit of that today through his Holy Spirit that we can go through the rest of our lives on earth with peace, knowing that God is with us and that we will not have to fear death. You don't have to be anxious about physically dying because God will give you a new body in heaven that we live eternally, eternally in abundance with Jesus Christ. If you're here today, maybe you've walked with God and you've walked away or maybe you've never received the invitation to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you, you feel a tug and you feel a sense in your heart that, that God is asking something of you today or, or maybe you just don't really know where you stand with God. You, you know him from a distance and you check in a little bit, but, but God, don't get too close to my life because I know that that's gonna cost me something. It will. But what you give up when you surrender your life, what you get back is so much more. And these little things we try to hang on to, we try to say, well, I can't go all in for Jesus because if I do, I gotta give this up. I know this isn't biblical. I know this isn't right. I gotta, that means I'm gonna have to stop doing that. And I love it so much, I can't stop it. The truth is, if God says it's not good for you, trust me, it's not good for you. When you follow his word, this life that he has is better. And I know it's hard to grasp that, but you have to believe by faith that God's fullness and his glory residing in you is better than anything that we can try and fill that hole with, whatever it is. You think about it. Your mind can probably go places. Mine can too. All sorts of things. That leads to nowhere. It leads to death and destruction. Maybe you're sensing today that God's calling you. He's stirring your heart. Maybe it started even before today. But you're recognizing, you're realizing that yes, I need to make a decision for Christ. I don't know where I stand exactly. But I know that I want to be at that banquet. I want to sit down with the king at that table. The sad thing, in church even, and through the world, in the world, is that most people will miss what God has for them, God's best for them. The, the salvation call that Jesus extends through this invitation, many people will miss it by 18 inches. Well, what's 18 inches? 18 inches is the distance from your head to your heart. Because so many of us, 
We've got it up here. We read this, but we never let it come down into here. If that's you today, in a few moments, I wanna give everyone an opportunity to respond to the message, to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ and make a decision today that you're gonna surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you've walked with God and you've walked away. That today is the day you say yes. God wants to know you. The God of the universe who created everything wants to know you even in the mundane, even in the little things in your life. And he wants you to know him. And all it requires is a response to his invitation to say yes. So in a few moments, I'm gonna just count to three and you can put your hand up to know who I'm praying for today. And in the next few moments, we can, from the front to the back in the sanctuary here, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes, not because we're trying to hide anything or we're ashamed or embarrassed, but we just want to eliminate any distraction. We just want to focus right now. And I want each of you in this room and watching online to just ask a question to just ask God right now, God, what is it you want from me? What do you want from me? The Bible says that no one can come to the Father. No one can come to God except through Jesus Christ. And no one receives the power of the Holy Spirit without accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior of their life. Today, the decision that you make to to confess your love to Jesus and surrender your life to him, it's not some magical prayer that only a pastor can pray over you. No, this is between you and God in these moments to say, God, I want to follow you. The past, the old you is gone. The guilt and the shame and the condemnation, the things you've been trying to fix in your life but you do not have the power to do it. God will give you that power through faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you're saved. Today would be a a marker on your journey where you look back and say, November 5th, 2023, that's the day that I gave my life to Jesus. Maybe you've walked with God and you've walked away. Today's the day you say, Pastor, I'm coming back home. I want to be remembered in the Father's house. I want to join Jesus at that table. I want to surrender my life to him. Now, if that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to, at the count of three, I'm going to just count and you can raise your hand. I just want to know who I'm praying for. And if you're sensing the Holy Spirit speaking to you today and he's asking you and you're you're not sure what it means but you just want to say you want to respond and say yes day today is the day of salvation I want to say yes to Jesus and at the count of three I just want you to raise your hand I'm not going to call you forward I'm not going to bring you up here we're going to pray for you right where you are but I just want to know who I'm praying for today you ready with every head bowed and eye closed. If that's you today, on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand and say yes to Jesus. One, two, three. Just raise your hand. Yes. See that hand. Yes. See that hand. Anyone else today? 
Amen. The Bible says, not only, not, sorry, not only do I see your hands, but God sees your hand. The decision that you made for Jesus Christ, that your life now is forever changed. God has given you a helper. The Holy Spirit is with you and that you will be saved. There's no more fear or doubt or anxiety or shame. It is gone in the name of Jesus that you are a new creation. So come on, church, let's repeat this prayer, not just with our minds, with our heads, but with our heart. Let's, for those that raised their hand today, let's help and let's pray together. So repeat after me, say, today I accept the invitation that's found in Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive my sins and regrets. From this day on, I choose to follow you. I put my trust and my faith in the death and the life and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your grace and fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. I give you my life, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, church, let's stand to our feet. Let's give the Lord some praise for those who said yes to Jesus, to those who wanna join him at the table in the kingdom of heaven, and there is salvation in the house of the Lord today. And you are not alone. You have a heavenly Father who sees cares and who's with you he is not angry at you so come on we're excited for you if that was you if you gave your life to the lord today we'd love to go on this journey with you invite you to be a part of the father's house you can work it out with community within community so if that was you you can share that with someone today and just say hey i'm going public with my faith what's next and we'd love to walk with you through that Thank you guys for being the house of God today. So great to be with you. We're gonna continue this series next week after God's heart. So we invite you to join us again Sundays at 9 and 11. And on Wednesday, we have a midweek prayer and worship service. It is one hour from six to seven. You uh, should definitely check it out. It is an awesome time together. So we invite you guys to that as well. Be blessed, have an amazing rest of your week. And we love you guys so much. Thanks for being in church today.